I'll tell you something I love about being in France, in addition to some seriously delicious butter, and that is the wide selection of wines I can find in France for low prices. It can be much more difficult to source those same bottles back in the States, and that's why I love to buy wines out of France with Ideal Wine. I have bottles shipped to me, hassle-free. It's easy. Ideal Wine has a new auction every week and is a great source for iconic names like Ouette, Louis Roeder, and Domaine Lefleve, as well as rising stars like Arnaud Lachaud, Gonon, and Tissot. Find the wines you'd rather be drinking at idealwine.com. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com and have the wine shipped to you in the States. Use the promo code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, for $15 off your first order of $150 or more. Hey, that's $15 you could save, and that is some good butter money. See for yourself at Ideal Wine. I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. About five million years ago, the island of Crete rose up in the Mediterranean Sea, just south of the Peloponnesian Peninsula. It's a long island that stretches 160 miles east to west, and it's almost 40 miles wide at its widest point. The island is bisected lengthwise by a series of mountain ranges which separate the southern Crete coast from the northern Crete coast. Annual winds that cross the island can create interesting climate situations. Zacharias Diamondakis of Diamondakis Winery describes the Maltemi wind that affects his vineyards. Uh, Maltemi is, uh, is, uh, is the wind that we have, uh, especially in summertime, especially in July. And all the Aegean, the, the island of Aegean Sea, they had Maltemi, Maltemia, Maltemi in Greek. Always in July we had uh, this kind of uh, wind. It's a, it's a wind that comes from the north. And here in Crete, we have the Maltemi, especially, especially at the, the two or three weeks of July. And uh, we have a lot of winds that uh, uh, comes from the Aegean. The breeze comes from the Aegean and stops to the mountains, to the big mountains in Crete here in uh, the big mountains, especially the big mountain Psilorites. The wine regions thrive mostly on the northern coast, where the climate is more Mediterranean and great for grapes. You know, here we are in Crete, so it's uh, uh, it's a hot, uh, the summers are hot. So to have this kind of, of breeze in, uh, in, uh, in the summer, we have uh, low temperatures, and uh, that's, that's important for our microclimate and all the terroirs that we have in our vineyards. The island is enshrouded in myth. Zeus was supposedly born in a cave on Crete, and this is where the Minotaur lived in the labyrinth, and where Icarus and Daedalus took their ill-fated flight. Because of Crete's prime location in the Mediterranean, it's a perfect stopping point at the intersection of many seafaring crossroads. The island is a coveted place of real estate, and because of this, it's been overtaken by various groups throughout history. Early Paleolithic settlements date to over 100,000 years ago, which also indicates that people may have been seafaring longer than we thought. 
And 9 to 10,000 years ago, Neolithic groups grew domesticated food and herded animals. Then the mysterious Minoan civilization grew powerful and dominated this part of the Mediterranean. The Minoan Palace of Gnosis is located near Crete's modern city of Heraklion, two thriving city centers, each reaching their zeniths several thousand years apart. The Minoan palace walls of Gnosis were high, and they wound through tight corridors as a safety measure to confuse would-be invaders. Archaeologists think that this wall structure inspired the Minotaur labyrinth legends. The Minoans participated in some sort of bull-jumping game, made famous by frescoes depicting bull-jumping scenes. Minoans also consumed and traded wine. Minoan expert George Spiridakis walked us through the Gnosis Palace, and we marveled at some of the pottery decorated with fingerprints, testaments to the craftsmanship that rose up around the thriving wine trade of Crete four to 5,000 years ago. And uh, this is where the, uh, the wine, the olive oil, the wheat, the barley, Look the at food, that. the figs. The fingerprints. What, what do you mean? You still find this? You still find people yes. making using their fingers, and that's like the, probably the most five thousand year old fingerprints. <laughs> yeah, this this was the idea, the idea of the potter, obviously, <laughs> and not just this. Very often, you will see that pattern, which looks like a wave, but it was actually a snake, a snake. in procession, because the snakes were sacred creatures, and they were sort of protecting the precious wine into it, or okay. the precious olive oil, uh, and uh, sometimes you have also this design, and uh, this is not so much decorated, uh, some others are more decorated than, than what you see here. Okay. Archaeologist Arthur Evans drove the efforts to unearth Gnosis, and he revealed some of the technical prowess of the ancient Minoans, including their intricate aqueduct, sewage, toilet, and drinking water piping systems. We, the farmers, whenever we use our tractor for plowing the fields, we non-stop discover broken clay pipes I see. that were carrying the waters safe and clean into the palace. And if you want, I can show you some original pipes later on. That Evans was able to number 23 hundreds of pipes yeah. supplying the palace uh, and the bathtubs and the toilets with flushing system with running, as well as the workshops. Now, I understand why Evans was so dedicated now, because when, yeah. when you have to go to the bathroom for 30 years and you're looking for the toilet <laughs> for 30 years, Not just you that. search very hard for <coughs> the toilet. Yeah. Remember that in the palace of uh, Versailles in France, which yeah. is only 600 years old, there was sure. no toilets. No toilets, yeah. <laughs> well. In their heyday, Minoans produced and traded wine with Egypt and dominated the wine market. Near Gnosis Palace, the world's oldest olive tree grows nearby. It dates to the Minoan period, and it still produces olives. After the volcanic explosion on Santorini, which is the world's fourth largest volcanic eruption that we know of in the history of Earth, the Minoans were overtaken by the Mycenaeans. Then the island switched to Roman rule, then Byzantine rule, then Venetian, Ottoman, and then Greek rule. Under Venetian rule, elaborate Venetian palaces and moats were built in the cities of Hania and Heraklion. Both cities still boast plenty of Venetian architecture that still stands strong today. The 20th century was tough for Crete, especially in the 1940s. They were devastated by World War II, 
when Crete was occupied by Nazis, who terrorized the locals with battles, executions, and mass killings. After the war, just as daily Cretan life was getting back on track, Phylloxera struck in the 1970s and killed most of the vineyards on the island. Crete's wine scene has changed with each dominant civilization. But perhaps the biggest wine revolution is taking place right now. Before Phylloxera hit, the wine on Crete was a traditional wine, oxidized, high alcohol, strong, and often sweet. It was made from mixed variety vineyards that were planted together, harvested together, and fermented together. Nikos Dulufakis shares memories of this style of Cretan wine. Uh, 50 years ago, my grandfather and my father, uh, they make wines from Liatico, very high alcohol, 14, 15, 16 sometimes, sometimes a little bit sweet, and uh, with high oxidation, high oxidation. The traditional wines in uh, Crete, high alcohol, oxidation, uh, color uh, orange, brown orange, and um, in mouth, uh, very strong, very sometimes with acid um, volatile. But now it's different, okay? So there seems to have been a big change. Here it's a big change. From like 50 years, yeah? It's a big change, yes. When phylloxera struck, many vineyards were lost, but Crete also had an opportunity to do a wine reset and they replanted all of the vineyards differently. Initially, efforts went towards international varieties and high-yielding local grapes like Vilana. In Crete, we come, the phylloxera came in 1970, and uh, from 1970 to 1980, all the vineyards um, died. And uh, after the new planting, unfortunately, the, the farmers they make the bad selection clonal. They make the selection uh, with the criteria, uh, the big quantities. And some varieties, like Vidiano, Moscato, Clito, Daphne, they don't plant it. And uh, they plant also only Vilana for the whites. Vilana, which, uh, uh, of course, it was like a easier, easy drinking white grape varieties. But now, Crete's wine scene is in a bit of a renaissance. A new generation of Greek winemakers has rediscovered the varieties of their parents and grandparents on old hillside vineyards that were spared from phylloxera. The enthusiasm for these grape varieties has really spread through the wine scene over the last 10 to 20 years, and we're seeing a resurgence of older Crete wine culture paired with more modern winemaking techniques. So instead of the oxidized high-alcohol wines of the 1960s and 70s that were made from mixed grape vineyards, people are now making dry whites, reds, and sparklings from these same varieties. For me, I studied in Italy, I, I returned back. My father, I, I, I changed all, uh, all the jobs. From the vineyards to the vinification, I changed all. For example, I make the... Um, the new method of uh, planting, uh, contro spagliera, with double guillot, okay? Uh, high plants for delayed the maturation, okay? because the, in Crete we have the problem, the sugars go very fast and the phenols, the polyphenols, slowly. 
okay? In the vineyard. After I change all uh, all the part in the vinification, uh, we we put the new tanks, inox tanks, with uh, temper with the temperature control. Uh, we use the new barracks, new barrels. Uh, we we change all the new people. What is your dad think? What is your The first years <laughs> for uh, after after my studies uh, for two three months, uh, we don't talk uh, together. It's very angry, <laughs> very angry. But uh, after uh, he 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 looked the the positive of the production, and uh, it's okay. Now it's okay. And you hear similar generational winemaking shifts from many of the winemakers. Here's the take from Diamond Dakis. What kind of wine did your father drink? My father, you know, my father, you know, the main local uh, variety here was Yatico. Yatico was the grape that uh, we are at the PDO Daphnes area. So the main uh, local grape that, uh, that all the, the farmers and the wine growers they, they cultivated was Yatico. Yatico is a very, very important grape here in, uh, in, in the area. All the farmers, they have a small, a small part of vineyard with Yatico and they make their own wine. And uh, this is the wine that my father drinks. Uh, so the, uh, we want to make some, we have some vineyards of Yatico. Now we have uh, an amount that we make some distillates from Yatico. But in the future we want to, to make some, uh, some wine, some red uh, dry wines uh, or sweet and sweet wines because it is both. I think we, we, we think it's uh, very, very, uh, Yatico makes some very, very nice uh, both sweet and dry wines. So in the future we want to make some, uh, uh, some wines from Yatico. From what I understand, like it seems to me like Liatico's here, always has been, always will be. Everybody likes it, but it doesn't seem exciting, but it's like Bidiano seems exciting. Yes. Bali Syrah, they seem exciting. So yes. it seems like everybody's like excited about About those. the new... Yeah. You, but, all, but everybody's also like, Liatico. It's here so, too. It's like always in the background. You know? Yes, you know, uh, Vidiano, it's something new. You know, it is an answered variety, Vidiano, but... Only the last 15 years, 10-15 years, the winemakers, we discovered that it's very nice, very important, very very interesting variety, so uh, so we have to, to play with, with uh, Vidiano. And uh, this is the reason that now in Crete, you can find all the, we are about in the association, about 30 wineries at the association, and uh, you will find maybe 20 different labels of Vidiano. It's very important. Only single Vigiano and uh, some other with blends, as Vigiano Asiatico or uh, Vigiano with uh, maybe Chardonnay, maybe some international. So Vigiano is something new, something that uh, uh, came, uh, came to us uh, the last 15 years. People uh, start to drink more, drink more white wine. Because of the hot, because of the hot summers and uh, and uh, I think the the new generation of drinkers. Uh, needs need, uh, start to drink uh, to to be to be excited uh, a lot about uh, from uh, to be excited from the the, the new whites you know uh, like Vidiano. Personally, I was enchanted by the Vidiano grape. This variety was almost extinct, but it grew in old mixed vineyards. Nikos Dulufakis makes extraordinary Vidiano. Vidiano, because from for me is the best variety in Crete. 
because you can um, make um, different types of wine, but the power of Vidiano is the, um, in Daphnes, in my village, is the body, is full body wine. And uh, you can um, age in the, the wine and drink it after three, four years. Uh, and I have one vineyard, um, high, uh, six meter high uh, altitude, and I make the sparkling. So I make sparkling, still the tank, uh, the, the entry level uh, Vidiano, and uh, the fermentation in oak barrel. And I make the experiment with um, uh, with the fermentation in um, amphora, terracotta, natural uh, wine, orange. So Vidiano is an uh, interesting variety, uh, it's difficult to grow in. Vidiano preferred not so rich uh, soil because the grape is uh, big and uh, sometimes uh, mostly in, uh, when the vineyards are young uh, the production is uh, high but after five six years the, the vineyards um, regulate and uh, the production is more um, most equilibrated. Yes, the Vidiano like uh, the sun. Sometimes uh, it's good to to take a little sun, and uh, the grape um, is more is yellow. In Daphnis, we have the maturation of Vidiano Vidiano in um, the last of August. Uh, every single winery produces at least two kinds of uh, Vidiano, two different labels of Vidiano. All of the wineries, most of the wineries you can see, as we told you, like we told yesterday, it's like everybody makes some Vidiano. It's like... But it wasn't always this way. Yanis Stiliano remembers tasting grapes from the old mixed vineyards he grew up working in. Here in Crete, it's uh, many years ago, it's many, many varieties, different varieties. It's, it's only indigenous varieties. Yeah. But uh, after the phylloxera, many vineyards uh, destroyed and put olives. Yeah. Oh, olives. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your Vidiano vines are... 16 years old. 16 years. Um, 17. And uh, what made you want to plant Vidiano? Because it wasn't popular back then. No, I tried the uh, Vidiano... I have Vidiano many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. When? In, uh, in the farm. We have the traditional uh, vineyard. Oh, yeah? Many years ago, it's blended. Mm-hmm. It's not just one variety. In one vineyard, it's uh, both uh, Vidiano, Villano, Trapsathiri, it's all mixed. I make just one harvest all together. Mm-hmm. Non different, make three different wines, and after make uh, oh, yeah. one uh, one blend. I have just one white. This is and the blend in the vineyard. It's one harvest all together. Yanis has a really neat approach. He grew up sampling and tasting local mixed vineyards, then used for oxidized powerful wines. And so today he makes an organic dry white blend but from the same grapes. He planted his vines and took the indigenous approach long before the recent Vidiano and Thrapsotheri craze. So in a way, he probably helped shape and inspire the new appreciation for Vidiano and the growing love of Thrapsotheri. 
And what starts the next diva of Crete after 10 years? Yeah. It's the Thrapsatiri. Yeah, oh yeah. The name of the winery is Nikos Parskevas. It's a small winery in the region of Malevizi. And yeah, look. Uh, the mountainous Malevizi region. Okay. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, okay. Uh, how, so you work with the Viviano grape? Uh, you... Yeah. He believes at the Viviano variety as a grape. Most of the vines I've, plant, I've, I've planted are Vivianos. When did you plant? When did you start planting? How old are your vines? Eight years ago I started planting the vines. Yes. Where did you hear about it? Okay. He deals with Tsikudia, Raki, a lot of years, They had a family business uh, regarding uh, Raki, Tsikudia, for 40 years. So uh, they knew the grapes, but there was distillation. Of the grapes, Tsikudia is distillating the grape. So, was Vidiano more popular for Tsikudia in the past? Again. And it's an epiodiasmo to Vidiano yet Tsikudia. Oh, 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 Due to the fact that they dealt with Tsikudia distillation, grape distillation, that's why he knew the grapes and he was, uh, he collected uh, different grape varieties and he saw something in Viviano. So he observed that uh, most of the uh, people that uh, were bringing a different uh, kind of uh, grapes, he, he started noticing that Vidiano gave more aromas and was more special, special than the, the other ones. And we find uh, we find the the, the 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 plants of Vidiano inside the old vineyards with Villan and other varieties white because in the past uh, the old vineyards uh, white uh, the vineyards have inside many varieties but more Villana and some plants of uh, Vidiano and other uh, varieties we we find we we see this uh, grape. And we make the new planting in 1992. And by rebirth, with the rebirth of Vidiano, they saw that we have a local grape variety that, um, that it can give so much more comparing, of course, to Vilana. And uh, people are starting comparing it with other grape varieties, like some they say, oh, it's, it's like Viognier because it has this tropical thing. Uh, but I think Villano is like on its own. It must not be compared with any other grape variety. Where are you selecting from? What made you pick your selections? 
from uh, old vineyards in, uh, in, in Daphnes, but mostly in uh, the south part of uh, the central Crete, Erethymno, in, on the mountains, because they, the, the old vineyards on the mountains, uh, they don't have phylloxera. Now they have, but uh, in 1990, no. And we send the, who make the bar, uh, barbatella, the the plant the young plants and yes and they make the nest we take the first plant we we take the first vinegars and after we we make the multiplication Anthony Starakis has a few thoughts on Vidiano Vidiano is becoming more popular and of course the most of the vineyards that are planted they're not that old so still the potential of the grape variety is not a hundred percent there until like they get uh, at least 15-20 years. Like most of the people think there is big potential on this grape variety. On a wine map of Crete, you'll see five PDOs or major wine regions. But a more simplified geographic explanation splits the island into thirds. Most of the winemaking is happening in and around Iraklion, in the center of the island. To the west, you have producers like Manuzakis, making distinct wines from vineyards perched on the dramatically inclined mountains that rise and tower over the city of Hania. And to the east, you have producers in and around the city of Sitia making wines as well. We drove out to Toplu Monastery, near Sitia. Endless bushes of wild thyme spotted the sides of the road, just to give you an idea of the Garig-like environment. The monastery has been there since the 1400s, but it's been through various rebuilds. The monastery has played a big part in the various transfers of powers of the different groups that have taken over Crete over the centuries. And more recently, during World War II, it housed a secret radio station in Passageway. But when this was discovered by the Nazis, the abbot of that day and two monks were killed. Today, the monastery has a really peaceful, happy feel to it. It houses various relics and important texts. And the current abbot, Philotheos Spanodakis, he watches over the monastery and runs the wine program. He grew up on farms and loves plants and animals, and it was under his direction that viticulture flourished around the monastery. He started selling wine from the monastery in 1999. We visited Abbot Philotheos' study, and we sat down with him to learn about his wine program. One wall was packed with books, and the other had two tables. It looked like one was for eating, and the other was for studying. Sunlight streamed in beams through tall windows in the wall, and bees buzzed in the chimney. The abbot tinkered over a small stove and made us coffees. Our friend John, a viticulturist on Crete, helped translate. Oh, my goodness. How long have they been making wine at this at this monastery? Since the beginning? Of the history of the monastery, they're doing wine, but not to export, only for the. Uh, yes. And after 2004, for export. The monastery is near a significant ancient compound. 
and the abbot rebuilt by hand this ancient compound and discovered a very old wine press. It was a rectangular stone trough for foot stomping, and the juice streamed out a spout on one side. Έτσι δηλαδή πάντα το μοναστήρι είχε ασχολία με αμπέλτσε. Από το, χιλιά, από το 2004 περίπου ξεκίνησαμε το Ινωπίο που επισκεφτούμε σε λίγο και κάνουμε έτσι πιο οργανωμένη καλλιέργεια του αμπελιού. New and better, and it's uh, the winner is very new and has a lot of good machines, so make a better job with the wines. All the calliers που κάνουμε εδώ στο μοναστήρι είναι βιολογικές και οι ελιές και τα μπέλια δεν χρησιμοποιούμε ούτε χημικά λιπάσματα ούτε φάρμακα ας πούμε διλιτήρια αλλά μόνο οργανικά. Under the trees is an organic cultivation. All is uh, by nature. Και το σπουδαίο ήταν ότι μας έφτασε χλωροκλάρια πάνω, δηλαδή συνέχεια μας είχε το πρόγραμμα στη δουλειά το ένα το άλλο και δεν μας άφηνε άλλη περτού. Και έτσι δηλαδή μας έκαμε να αγαπούμε, ας πούμε. Εγώ μου αρέσει, τρεχώ τρελαίνω με τις καλλιέργειες όλες. Μου αρέσει. Ο young boy, his father, he's putting all the time inside the farms and he's working in the farms, so he loved very much the farms and to cultivate. So even though he's a monk, he helps uh, the people to everything in, inside the vineyards and the fields. We saw his vineyard work firsthand when he took us to visit some of the surrounding vineyards. The abbot has a big presence, and he has these tremendous hands. And when a cane shoot stuck out into the path, he pruned it with one twist of the wrist. If I were pruning that particular piece of wood, I would have needed clippers. But he seemed to really have a mastery of the plants. This part of the island farms a little differently than the rest of Crete. A lot of different techniques because it's, it's, it's very different the climates and very different terras around the island. This special terra of the monastery has many benefits from the wind. Other uh, parts, other vineyards inside the island, it has a problem with uh, no blows and uh, no has a lot of uh, high temperature, high humidity, and it's problem. Problem, for example, canopy management. It's very different to inside in the here. Οι ερυθρές πιτσιλίες είναι το βασικό τολιάτικο που είναι το η καθεαυτή πιτσιλιάτικο Toplu Monastery makes a sweet sun-dried wine from Liatico. Liatico is an important grape variety in Crete. Liatico, Liatico, it's it's something. Uh, it was like uh, like a rustic, you know, like something like uh, very very common. But uh, I think, in my opinion, we have to, to work with Liatico a lot, to work with the vineyards, to work with the verifications, 
it's difficult to vinificate Liatico, but uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, we think that uh, in, uh, in the future we'll have uh, great wines from Liatico, especially some aged wines. Okay, Liatico is uh, oldest history in here in uh, in Crete and in Daphne, uh, the village. Uh, is maybe is the maybe is the older uh, oldest variety in Crete. A very we have uh, we found the Liatico in uh, in the um, in the Venetian epoch, and um, my father worked with Liatico a lot. Uh, for example, my father in 1960 he make also Liatico nothing nothing else. And another one, another white variety, uh, uh, Villana. And, um, it's, it's very good variety, but it's very difficult. And the wine producers here, they don't, um, like uh, work the, with Liatico because uh, the variety don't have a good color. But, um, when I come from my study in, uh, studies in Italy, It's the first, uh, I plant the first variety, Liatico, in uh, 19, uh, I, my father planted in 1985, the first, and after 19, 1992, I plant uh, the first, my Liatico, and then uh, next year, last year, and uh, this year I plant the first clone. Okay. Uh, Liatico is, um, uh, is variety with, um, with the, We don't we we don't cut the the uh, the verd the um, the green part of uh, the plant because it's it's very sensible and it's not so forte uh, yes it's not so vigorous and uh, it's very and uh, for the liatko we need the low production grapes with uh, good color okay and in the vineyards now in the old vineyards now I make two two harvest. The first harvest, I take the best uh, grapes because we have some clones with um, very, very bad color, like white. And uh, I, the first time I take the very good uh, grapes, I make the Daphnius. And the second uh, harvest, after uh, 10 days, the other part, uh, I make uh, other wines. It's likely indigenous to the island, and it's been around for generations. In Sitia, some producers like to blend in mandelaria to add color to what can sometimes be a paler wine. But even paler than the Attico is the Cozzifali grape. The closest thing that comes to mind, to put its characteristics in context, is pulsard. It's lighter in color but full of concentration and texture. The aromas are like a blend of berry fruits and dusty earthiness. The Cozzifali wines always stood out to me for their uniqueness and character. And, and I, I make also now... Uh, um, experiments with Cozzifali because Cozzifali is very good variety but uh, uh, now, now I don't have 100% Cozzifali but in the future uh, I think uh, I won't make it Cozzifali and Madillari and Madillari is very good but Cozzifali uh, alone and Madillari alone Nikos Cavallas blends the two here are his thoughts translated by Stella We have Cozzifali and Mandilari are are the only indigenous uh, grape varieties that they have in this area. Cozzifali and Mandilari. Και πρέπει να δώσουμε πάρα πολύ μεγάλη προσοχή σε αυτές τις δύο επικιλίες. 
Να τις αναδείξουμε πάρα πολύ και να ανεβάσουμε πάρα πολύ ποιότητα. And we need to give uh, more importance to the, those two uh, varieties and uh, in order to, to give them a boost and uh, raise the, the quality, raise the quality, make better products like from those two varieties, Cochifali and Mandilari. Γιατί αυτές οι ποικιλίες είναι εδώ πάρα πολλά χρόνια φυτεμένες σε αυτό το μέρος. Because those two grape varieties are way back planted here, way back before Phylloxera. There are just so many special grape varieties on Crete. Another unique one is Malvasia decandia. And how common is Malvasia aromatica? How common? Yeah. Not well, not. We have two different clones of uh, Malvasia here in Crete, Malvasia decandia and Malvasia decandia aromatica. Malvasia decandia usually used uh, uh, for a little sweeter or semi-sweet uh, wines. Malvasia decandia aromatica gives this uh, very, very floral character. So the word candia is the Venetian word for Crete. Malvasia have a big history here in Crete. Now we, we are in Malvasia region. And uh, when I study in Italy, in the Abelography uh, book, book, I see the variety Malvasia, Dicandia Aromatica, and the history say from Crete. I plant this variety. <laughs> I come back and I, I, I buy the, the plants from Italy. It's Malvasia, Dicandia Aromatica from Italy, but uh, the origin is from Crete. And at every turn, another important indigenous variety popped up. I'm uh, Bart Lirarakis. I, um, I work for the Lirarakis winery, the family winery. I heard that you make the, one of the only 100% Pleto. Yeah, that is true. Um, it's a grape that was almost extinct. It was uh, resurrected. It was uh, uh, replanted uh, 20, almost 30 years ago. Uh, by my father and my uncle. It's a, um, a grape that was almost extinct because it's very prone to diseases. It has a very uh, compact bunch of grapes, so every berry... And why do you choose to work with it so much? Just love it? They, uh, my, we found it, okay, the second generation found it. My, my father chose for it because he remembered what it tasted like as a grape and they wanted to try it as a wine. Uh, back then they had... Uh, French grapes in the vineyard. We have a, a family vineyard in front of the cellar, and it was uh, planted with uh, uh, Sauvignon Blanc. So they replanted all of it because they saw everybody was just using Sauvignon Blanc, and they, they used uh, the local grape to diversify, basically. Cool. And it worked in the end. That's really special. Mm-hmm. I really like the Plito today. It was. It's a very aesthetic, uh, aromatic grape. It is. Uh, it, it doesn't give wines that are very thick, you know. But yeah. uh, especially this year, we try to have a harvest in three different periods. So, one where it was, let's say, unripe. One where it was a maturity, and one after. And the blend of the three gave us a much more complex uh, result. Okay, so my name is Marietta Milaki. I'm an enologist and winemaker. I studied wine in Bordeaux. And I'm in Rus Winery, which is a family winery. It started by my parents some years ago. 
And like four years ago, my husband, Demetrius, and I were both neologists. We met in Bordeaux and we took off the, over the family domain. Uh, so we're sort of trying to make wine together, uh, yes, vinify together. And our goal is to invest on local varieties, but try to, to get the most of the best expression of our terroir and to uh, to make uh, contemporary and authentic wines out of local varieties. That's our uh, goal, in fact. So, so you're both enologists. Yes. What do you fight about? Are you like, is this pH is lower? <laughs> uh, in fact, we have decided that we're going to separate our uh, roles inside the winery, as otherwise it's not going to work. So yes, we're both enologists. Dimitris is engineer, agronomist, and enologist. I studied biology and then enology. But today, Dimitris is responsible for the production, so he's the official winemaker, let's say. We blend together. We, for the blendings where uh, we decide as a group, but otherwise he's responsible for the winemaker. I'm more out for the um, for the exports, for the communication, PR, etc., so marketing. So we have decided to separate because otherwise too many analogists in the yes, kitchen. Yes, plus my father is an analogist and we are all analogists. My family is one of the first ones that tried to revive old Greek varieties that were somehow lost, such as Vigiano. So they planted uh, different varieties, they did a lot of experimental winemaking, and uh, uh, um, it, from those experimental winemakings ca came the blend of Vigiano with Plito, which is today's skipper. At the very beginning, they thought it was a very nice blend, and they put it in the market under the name of Vigiano Plito Tamniolakis. They have the name of the family at that time. Uh, it became the most representative wine of the family because it was maybe the first Viviano, because it was very different blending at that time. So it was it became very representative of the winery. And some years ago, when Demetrius and I took over, we decided that we're going to give it the name of Skipper because it was somehow already the captain of the winery. <laughs> so it took the name of Skipper. It's still, we are, as far as I know, we are the only winery that still has this blending of Viviano and Vito, so it's sort of unique of ours. So it became the, the most unique wine of the winery. In particular around Hania. There isn't nearly as much production as there is near Iraklion, but Hania is still an important hub. The horses, the harbor, the charming streets, the ancient Venetian palace, and the mountains that are so close yet seem so far away. Hania attracts tourists, and this is where many people from outside of Crete come into contact with Cretan wine. Tourism is very, very strong, and we are, we are having... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the Khania specifically is getting more strong every day. Uh, and <laughs> it's pretty beautiful here. The thriving Oceanside restaurant scene supports some of the local wine industry, and the nightlife is pretty happening also. <laughs> Nearby, Manuzaki's Winery produces a lot of wine that you can find outside of Greece. Menuzaki's works with several Mediterranean varieties, including Grenache, Syrah, and Roussan. The Roussan is a calling card for the winery, but they also make local varieties from the unique Muscat of Spinas grape and, of course, Vidiano. 
the island of Crete is at a fascinating juncture of its wine story. This place has some of the oldest winemaking history in the world. Imagine a place with 4,000 years of winemaking history that boasts olive trees of nearly that age. The various twists and turns have taken the island's wine industry from an ancient time when amphoras were zipping around the Mediterranean in long ships to a phylloxera crisis that spurred an injection of international varieties to this moment when all eyes are turning to some of the nearly lost indigenous varieties that have so much to offer. If I could leave you with a single word, it would be... Yamas. What's Yamas? Yamas uh, means uh, to, to be to, to our health, to be to... Yamas is the, is the, 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 the word that we say when we drink a glass of wine. And uh, Yamas means always to be, to be healthy, to be fun, to be always happy, always happy. and uh, Yamas. <laughs> All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening. Something a lot of people from outside that island don't realize is that when the Turks ruled Crete, they renamed the population there with the suffix Akis. For this reason, there are many people on Crete today whose family name ends in Akis. As you'll hear as I give thanks to Nikos Doulafakis, Antonis Dourakis, Zacharias Diamondakis, George Spiriadakis, Nikos Karavitakis, Bart Liriorakis, John Masutis, Yanis Stilianou, Nikos Paraskevis, Stella Astiraki, Ashvin Malavi, Nikos Gavalas, Abbot Philotheos Spanudakis, and Maria Tamiolakis for their helpful introduction to Crete and also to Wines of Crete for making this episode possible. Go to winesofcrete.gr, that's winesofcrete.gr for more information, including a really great map of Crete on that website that you can check out if you're curious to know more about Crete. I'd also like to mention that this episode was composed and narrated by the great Aaron Scala.